Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. There was a story of a man named Steph Belensky. I'm probably butchering that. But he had a confirmation class that he would always start with a jar full of beans. He would ask his students to guess how many beans were in the jar. And on a big pad of paper, write down their estimates. Then next to those estimates, he'd make another list their favorite songs. When the lists were complete, he revealed the actual number of beans in the jar, and the whole class would look over their guesses to see what estimate was closest to being right. Then he would turn to the list of favorite songs. Which one of these is closest to being right? The students would protest and say, there is no right answer. A person's favorite song is just a matter of taste. This teacher would hold a doctorate in philosophy from Notre Dame and would say, when you decide what to believe in in terms of your faith, is it more like guessing the number of beans or more like choosing your favorite song? He would say, from old to young people, he would typically get the same answer. Choosing one's faith is more like choosing a favorite song. We're about to dive in again. My brother did an overview into 1 Timothy. Remember in chapter 3, I'm paraphrasing these things I write to you that you might know how to conduct yourselves in the house of the Lord. And the first chapter we're going to look at is basically all about teaching. Um... So we're going to dive in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much that uh, you are the head of the church. Thank you so much that you have given us your Bible. Thank you so much for this assembly and the people here. We pray that you would just do a mighty work this morning, that you would be honored and glorified. Again, Lord, it is our prayer that you would help us as we go through this, that we would have the right motivations on uh, why to even obey, that we would know how to conduct ourselves here at church, uh, that we would see uh, the fruitfulness of it. Uh, Lord, it is tough sometimes coming from our situations to come sit and listen and even think of you. And so uh, I pray that you would help us clear our minds, that we might be able to just simply think of who you are. Thank you so much for being a personal God. Be honored and glorified above all in your name. Amen. <clears throat> I have basically chapter 1 all the way up to 18 in the next two weeks. So I think I'm going to stop a little short today. I think I'm only going to go to about verse 9. So let's read it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, 
nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which causes disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they are say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And I'll stop there. I read that story because we talk about doctrine. I don't know what um, thoughts go in your mind uh, when we hear doctrine. I would tend to be someone that thought, well, there's normal teaching, and then there's like the doctrine. Like that's like the academic deep stuff, defend the faith, like figure out the Trinity, um, you know, all of that stuff. Well, in looking at this, doctrine, you know, we kind of label that as Christians. It just means teaching. It just means teaching. It's basically in this context talking about even the gospel or what has been taught from the apostle. So when we use words like doctrine, I'm, I'm speaking of myself, I've been challenged to really kind of see this as, hey, this is okay. We're just talking about teaching. What happens from the pulpit here at church? Um, but there's also a lot of teaching as well that goes on individually. When we talk to our friends and you're trying to tell someone about Scripture, there might be a teaching element involved. Parents to children, um, Sunday school teachers obviously to those in our youth groups, all such things. Whenever we are bringing out God's Word and trying to have the purpose of telling them what it is, we're trying to promote doctrine. We're trying to promote doctrine. In 1 Timothy 4.16 it says this, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so I think my brother talked about this um, last week. Uh, that's, I like this. Um, I use like NIV, I think. But you could translate it as keep a close watch on yourself and on the doctrine. Hey, watch what's being taught to you. And so this is, again, one of those bullseyes on me today and everyone else on a Sunday coming up. Um, it matters what's said from this pulpit. It matters a lot. And that's exactly, I believe, why he's starting a letter. And the first thing he wants to talk about is basically this piece of, hey, are you getting the right teaching? And it sounds very basic and foundational, which is true. But the rest of these chapters, if you don't teach it right, well, then it's all kind of in vain. There's no point if we talk about things that are coming up in this book that if the teaching's not done correctly uh, or it is false teaching, then that's a big problem. So this has to be addressed right off the bat. He's talking about, hey, how to conduct yourselves in the house of God. Well, that sounds normal, but if you have 18 different ideas of how that works and then you have 18 different teachings on that, well, that can be a bad day. That can be a bad day. So he's going to address this right away. And so that's why I shared that story as well about simply, you know, your faith. Is it guessing an exact number of beans or is it a you choose your favorite? There is a huge difference with that. And we think foundationally, when you open up scripture, when you are ready to be taught scripture, especially from the pulpit, do you have a mindset that says, hey, there is an exact truth coming my way, or I'm just going to pick what I like and what's my favorites? Because 
it's very easy to pick the favorites. That's what I like to do. I don't know about you. That's what I like to do. There's even times in my life where I'm almost led to read certain parts of Scripture, and I'm like, nah, not today. I know what they talk about. Let's go read some nice psalms. I like those. I don't know if you're in the same boat with that. Okay. Again, he's addressing this because if the church is not teaching this correctly, the rest of this letter does not matter. In the upcoming months or weeks here at Brantford, we're going to talk about things like women's roles, men's roles, church leadership, elders, deacons. We're going to talk about how to deal with your money, how to deal with family. We're going to dive into some things. If it's not taught correctly, that's going to be a bad day. Okay? And at the same time, are we willing to have this healthy doctrine taught to us? Are we ready for it? Are you convinced that God's word is truth no matter what is coming ahead in these chapters? You might not like it. It might be hard to hear, but it's truth. <laughs> it's truth. And so as we talk about um, sound doctrine, that's you're going to hear that here. When we teach, it's supposed to basically be healthy for you. The same word in the Greek, I think, like we get the word hygiene out of it. Like you're, it's, it's healthy for you. It's clean. It's good for you. Okay? Teaching should be something that, you know, you might not even want to hear, but at the end of the day, it's good for you. And you can see that. And so right away, he's addressing this because there are those who are not teaching it correctly. And we are not sitting here saying, hey, we're going to be perfect every time. Um, every single thing said from this pulpit is 100% true. I pray to God it is. But I'm sure we're, we're men, you know. So that's there. And by God's grace, we can study and, and have those things. But the very first practical application before we even kind of get into the chapter, I wanted to say was, uh, are we again, I want to bring to focus, remembering where we are being taught outside of the Bible. Who's teaching you and how are you getting taught? When you're trying to figure out life right now, who's teaching you? It is very easy to be taught by online, social media, and very easily to be taught by what you like and your preferences, hence you'll read that. I always love music. I always think music, the Bible will talk about music teaching. Um, and again, I don't, this example I'm about to give is um, interesting even for me. I was trying to see what are the top songs right now on the radio. Rich Men of Richmond. I don't know if you've heard about this. This dude in the South, they kind of recorded his background. It went viral. Suddenly it's a great song. Uh, the song's decent. I don't promote songs. There's swears in it. I feel like I had to say that right away. Before you're like, oh, I wanted to hear that song, and it's full of swears. James said it. I didn't tell you to listen to it. I'm just talking about it. But regardless, okay, um, basically here's some of the chorus. It's a shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is living in the new world. And if you're like me, you can be like, oh yeah. I mean, morality has just changed over the last 10 years and, and this is completely new and, and man, it stinks. Why don't we go back to the ways of old? And you know, it's interesting as we said before, there are verses that say, woe to you who say that olden days were better. 
You got to watch out for that. We just went through foundational truths in Genesis. We are not at the times that it was at Noah. We're not. And so songs can kind of even be a teacher to us and make us think, oh, man, it might be new for us. We might not have seen this kind of low morality in our lifetime, but it's not new to the world. It's not new. And so, again, where are we being taught? So we look at biblical truths that say things like there's nothing new under the sun. We hear songs, we have reflection, we go, okay, I see what they're saying, but I have to remind myself that the Bible has said this has always been the way it is here on earth. Okay, and so we got to be careful where we're being taught from, especially on social media, especially on the news, all of that stuff. Just be careful what's preeminent, what's first. This Bible, this doctrine is supposed to be number one teacher. So how in the world do we know if we have healthy teaching or false teaching? This is one of those chapters that um, I was teasing, just talking to some of my friends. I was like, man, I, I, this is making me just like every word. I feel like I'm looking up. I got to try to wrap my mind around the definition. I got to try to figure this out. This is a big run on sentence. <laughs> so if you're just hearing it kind of today, um, it, it's a lot to take in. So I'm going to try to break it down. But basically, there's going to be two types of teaching. And that's what Paul's addressing. There's two types of teaching going on. One, it's kind of like that bad teaching, and one, the good. So let me quick give you an overview, and I'm going to be quoting some of the things from these verses. One of the teachings he's talking about, the bad one that we should stay away from, gives way to fables, endless genealogies, causes disputes, and meaningless talking, promotes pride, leads to a lack of understanding okay so i'm going to break this down a little more this is here in verse four where he says listen i'm charging you that you teach no other doctrine nor give heed to so again this is coming from ephesus they are at church and some people paul sitting there telling timothy hey do not stray from healthy teaching and what was told to us don't let this other stuff get in there. Because here's what it is. It's giving way to fables, endless genealogies, which causes disputes, and then idle talk or meaningless talking, and it's promoting pride. If you go through these verses, that's what it's talking about. Gives way to fables. Have you ever heard of this? It's just this imaginative kind of stuff. I've heard of people saying, hey, have you ever seen that maybe Thomas wrote the book of John and not the book of John? Isn't that a cool study? No. Not to me. I, I'm trying to figure out love your wife. That's, that's what I'm wrestling with. I'm not trying to figure out who wrote the book of John and why it matters in my life. That's a fable. Right? You ever heard the whole piece that Jesus was married and it's all a big cover-up? Right? That's crazy. But it's out there. I don't know if you, I know I know it's not in the Bible. If you only understood he is married, and then and then they build some kind of theology off of that. That's giving heed to fables. That's a normal thing that Christians do. Or maybe non-Christians. Endless genealogies. These Jewish guys, typically, right now in this context, love to attach themselves to certain historic families. I'm of this tribe, and my lineage is this, 
and this is how we do things in my family. We're, we're kind of the expert on this view of theology. That would never happen here. Families getting kind of passed down. You know, no, this is how the family thinks. Well, yeah, praise the Lord. I hope my daughter sing just like me. Sure, I get it. But I also want them to be better. What if I did mess up somewhere along the line? Well, Kim doesn't mess up, but I do. Okay, so again, I'm always trying to teach my kids, hey, go back to the Bible. If I got it wrong, show me, fine. Okay, but I'm not going to sit here and say, well, this is, this is kind of like my teaching, like somehow I owned it. Okay, but that's what endless genealogies are. Causing disputes. What this word really is, is questioning. Have you ever been taught by someone and you left just with a hundred questions? And you can't think of one thing to apply to your life. You just left going, what? And there was just question after question like, what? Sometimes we do this in our one-on-one -on -one talks a lot. You're just trying to have a nice conversation, and you're sitting there listening to the person going, I, you lost me five sentences ago, and I have about eight questions, and, and you keep talking, and, and now I got more. Like, that's some of that stuff, this kind of teaching in this manner would just produce that stuff. And then idle talk, meaning we'll talk about some of those things later. Okay? So, let's narrow these things down. This is the kind of teaching that should not be done from the pulpit, nor in our own one-on-one -on -one discussions. Okay? Nor in any kind time you're trying to teach people. Teaching that causes disputes. Okay? Not good. Some of this was simple. Okay? These false teachers were not simply content with the simplicity of the gospel and the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Okay? We read about in other places. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Wow, that's pretty strong language. Okay, that, that's strong language. But I'm going to tell you what we talk about. I fell out of a tree and I went to heaven for nine seconds. And, and God met me. And then he told me, I'm going to come to heaven because, well, better read this verse again. There's one gospel. One. Salvation through Jesus Christ. You have to repent as a sinner. Acknowledge your sins before him. Acknowledge he died on the cross for those sins. You believe and you're saved. Okay? And so... Um, some of these things seem abrasive, but I also kind of love it that God has designed this and the idea of it's so simple. Believe on me, you go to heaven. Don't, don't twist this up with other stuff. Don't let all this other stuff get involved. Okay? Leave it alone. I probably have told this story before. We struggle in our faith with this a lot, or I feel like. My roommate from college once looked at me and said, listen, I, I, I'm close to walking away from the faith because it can't be 
this simple. I think uh, it's just amazing to me of our human, even pride, that God by his grace made this gospel so simple and we can't handle that. We can't handle it. It's got to be something else. And so this kind of false teaching that somehow we got to add to the gospel, somehow we have to, to make it look pretty or somehow we have to do something to attract people, leave the gospel alone. It's perfect. There's also a teaching, as they do this, that really their talk is more important than their walk. Okay? So when you get people teaching about the Lord where it's not practical, and it is not something that isn't trying to encourage people in the faith, you're just trying to sound smart, that's not good. Okay? Focusing more on arguments and actions or things like this. Okay? In verse 6 here, um, is talking about as some of these people have done this, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk. Okay? Where, again, th this teaching about God just turns into some intellectual thing. And then it turns into idle talk. This word is interesting. It just means meaningless talk. You ju you just, you're talking about stuff that's really kind of meaningless. Have you ever been in one of these conversations? I just was this week. I'm going to tell you how it worked. Uh, one of my students did something a little naughty, so I had to call him out on it. All I said was, hey, let, let me talk to you. The rest of the class went somewhere else. I did not open my mouth, and he just started. Yeah, well, I just want to say this. it's exaggerated. The story is exaggerated, but I see what you're saying. But I mean, I'm not right, but uh, let's just leave it alone. Fine. That's how the conversation went. I haven't opened my mouth yet. I'm looking, going, can I, can I talk now? Well, no, I see. Yeah. Well, I just kind of disagree, but okay. And I'm sitting there going, what are we talking about? What are you doing? <laughs> what are we doing right now? But it also reminded me of a lot of conversations I've had. Where it might be a tough conversation, might be like, hey, you're kind of bothering me with this. Hey, I don't think you're going the right way in your life. And, and there's a response where it's just a bunch of, yeah, well, okay. Oh, I don't know what just happened. It's meaningless talk. Meaningless talk. When we hear a word on Sunday, we shouldn't leave kind of going, well, that was, mm, yeah. Okay, like, it's not producing any good discussion of who the Lord is. Okay, stay away from that kind of teaching because somehow when we have this kind of meaningless talk, people actually think there's been a meaningful conversation. That's the problem. We talked about the Lord. Yeah, we, I mean, I talked to, yeah. And everyone's going, we didn't actually talk about it though <laughs> so we have to be very careful this is very easy to do this is not an old problem i mean a new problem this is an old problem this is what they're doing first century meaningless talk 
Is our teaching moved by pride rather than humility? Okay, this is interesting here in verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law. Now, doesn't that sound kind of good? Not in this context. Again, the, the church is starting. They're hearing these hard things maybe as a Jewish people. We're no longer under the law, but under grace. The law is a tutor. And then remember all in the book of Acts, like, well, these Gentiles, they can be saved as long as they also get circumcised and follow the law. And there's disputes and there's arguments. No, let's stick to the teaching. They don't have to be. That was a picture, okay? And some of these guys' desire is, I want to be a teacher of that law. Now, now I, I want to start teaching that law stuff, and I want people to look up to me. Because remember, that's how it was back in the day with Pharisees and Sadducees and all them. It was a, a big pride thing, like, hey, I know about God. You don't. If you need some information, come talk to me, okay? Teaching should never be done that way. <laughs> it's not a position where we go, guys, I have all the answers. I'm teaching from the pulpit. Come talk to me. That's bad teaching. <laughs> it is not promoting pride. And again, doctrine, humility, all that stuff. We're doing this together. We're learning together as we go through it as an assembly. Okay? So there's three things I want to kind of uh, say again here. If I can see my notes. Okay? what this messed up teaching is kind of deal. Teaching that causes disputes, that robs you of the simplicity of the gospel, where people talk about the Lord, but they're more interested about the talk than the walk. And then they're more interested about their pride than humility. That kind of teaching is detrimental. Well, let's look at the good stuff. Godly teaching. This is what it says here. Teach no other doctrine. Okay? Which God you rather than, uh, I'm in verse 4, rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Okay, the purpose of teaching is for godly edification, which is in faith. Building up, building up the saints. God's building for himself the house. All those beautiful things. Now, when I thought about this, what's interesting was... Um, and I've said some of this before, that foundational work is sometimes one of the worst parts if you're ever trying to build something. Because it doesn't look cool, and it has to be done right. I was just talking to Joe about my fire pit. And I'm trying everything I can to not have to level off my yard. I'm trying everything. I just want to make a fire pit, and I don't need things level. Don't worry about it. And I'm talking to Joe, and he's kind of looking at me. Mm, you probably don't want to do that. Joe, shut up. I'm okay. Did I say shut up on the pulpit? Sorry. Okay? And I'm going to tell you why I don't like foundational stuff. Because it doesn't look good. Like, I'm talking about digging my yard. Yay. There's nothing cool with that. I want to build. Like, when you're building a shed, the, the groundwork, making it flat, no one cares. Looking at something built up, erected, nice, windows, door. That's cool. I built that. But if it's not built on a solid foundation, it ain't going anywhere. One little windstorm comes and your shed is not that good. Okay? So we talk about this godly building up, godly edification. Some of us, I want to gently remind you, if you have never firmly started your foundational truths of who God is, if you have never been foundationally taught the truth of the gospel, that's where you need to start. That's where you need to start. 
okay? This godly teaching, it's based on faith. Right there it says, which is in faith. Now I want to remind us again as we talk about this godly teaching, what's supposed to happen here on Sundays? Of course, faith comes from the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If we are teaching and not using the book, then we are doing it wrong. I know that sounds basic, but I'm amazed at how many times we can teach and not use the book. Okay? You have to use the book. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We just don't trust in anything. Our trust is in what the book is saying and what the book is telling us. And when we do this, there's a reason why we're trying to teach. It's not just so we can fill our minds with information. Verse 5. Now the purpose of this commandment. What was the commandment? You better not teach any other doctrine than what you've been told. This teaching. How do you teach? The purpose of this is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and from sincere faith. This teaching is supposed to produce a love for God and a love for people. Now, this is challenging to me. I want you to think about some hard parts of Scripture, some things that were hard to teach that you've heard people teach on. And yet, again, hard for me as one who does teach, in my mind thinking, what I am saying, how is it going to make them fall in love with God more? How is it going to make their love for others increase? How in the world we're talking about our roles that are coming up in First Timothy, how does that make people love God more? And is that being brought out when we teach? It's supposed to produce love. It's from love or produce love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and from sincere faith. The person being taught and the person teaching, okay? These are some of the goals. We not only want it taught, we want, only, we want to stick to the truth of what's being taught by the Word of God in faith. We want it to produce love, okay? But we're also, from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. The person teaching should have a pure heart, a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Okay. Create a, uh, when it seeks to create a pure heart, Paul wrote that our goal should be love from a pure heart when teaching. Free from corrupt desire, from guilt. Teaching brings us back to the Lord Jesus. Free from doing life out of guilt or trying to gain something out of it. Why do we teach? A pure heart is free from a desire for me getting an advantage from teaching. Free from guilt. Man, if I speak, maybe God will love me. This is like the good ministry. This is like, man, like I can mess up a little, but if I preach on Sunday, it would, the, the, the scales are balanced. Some weird reason we think that. Okay? A pure heart, one that actually has a heart that would say, I'm just trying to do this for you, Lord. Are our motives pure when we teach? So again, contextually, this is on a Sunday morning. 
This is to the speakers, but it's to all of us. Whenever we are trying to teach Scripture, do we have a pure heart? Is our motives pure? There was a home builder once that found a way to motivate his employees. For exceptional work, he would name streets after them in his housing developments. <laughs> Pretty interesting, right? Hard workers are building up neighborhoods. If you do a good enough job, you get to put your name on the road. Guarantee it worked wonders. Not what we should do here. <laughs> okay, we don't sit here and try to teach so that somehow we can get a little plus sign, a gold sticker. We're doing it out of a pure heart. Also, we're trying to have a good conscience. Now, your conscience, let me give you a little definition. That process of thought which distinguishes what is considered morally good or bad. Commending the good, condemning the bad, and so prompting to do the former and avoid the latter. Okay? Developing a good conscience. When you hear the word of the Lord taught, one, do you have a pure heart? Are your motives good? Okay? But two, are you developing a good conscience? Are you ready to have the Holy Spirit bring those thoughts into mind? saying you need to either start doing this more or you need to start doing this less. And now you're conscious, it's in your mind, and you have a decision to make. You're hearing a word of the Lord, and now you're kind of faced. Am I going to follow through or not? My conscious is telling me this is the right thing to do. My conscious is telling me I know somewhere deep down in my heart that if I ignore this, it's wrong. And teaching is supposed to kind of help this. Do you know our government has a conscious fund? This is one of the best stories I've had in a long time for myself. Yeah, our government started this. This is hilarious. I think it was like 100 years ago. If you know you've stolen from the government, you can anonymously donate money. We have a fund in this country that's called the conscious fund. There was a manager of the fund said people have donated because they have stolen supplies while in the military, withheld payments to the IRS, or just found cash laying on the street, all because the thought of keeping someone else's money burned a hole in their conscience. Isn't that crazy? At one point, there was like $5.7 million in our conscience fund. People gave anonymously just to make their conscience feel good. The Americans gave up to $5.7 million. You know, it's interesting, in 2014, 1.1 million donations came in to the Conscious Fund. Now, this goes a while back, but I don't think we got any better. In the middle of 2017, there was only $1,600 given so far. Is our consciences getting seared, as the Bible says? Now, again, there's a lot here. You don't want to, you know, hey, I gave money, so I, I feel better about myself. But we don't talk about conscience a lot. Because it's deep in your soul, I can't prove what the Spirit is saying to you. I just can't. You can be sitting here today under complete conviction. I can go right up to you later and say, hey, anything convicting today? No, pretty good. Okay. And you can be lying to my face. You can't prove conscience. Only you and the Lord know what he's putting on your heart. And so we want to be a people that are ready and remembering this. When we come on a Sunday morning to hear the word of the Lord, it's kind of one of those prayers. Lord, 
if you got to say something to me, let me be ready to hear it. And then even more important than that, give me the courage and boldness to act on it, to actually do something about it. It is very easy to stray. Finally, the goal is to get a sincere faith. Sincere, non-hypocritical. Non-hypocritical. We should never teach something we're not willing to do ourselves. One of the biggest things of parents and kids, asking their kids to do something that they are not willing to do themselves. Don't you swear in my house. Okay, but you swear. Hey, love your sister like that. Love your brother like that. Be nice. Say sorry. And then mom and dad fight. No one here is nice or sorry. Don't be hypocritical in our teaching. Guys, that's why they talk about, listen, those who teach, watch out. <laughs> you, you kind of put a bullseye on you. You're telling people what you think should be done. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't sit there and tell we should be doing this, and then we don't do it. Okay? Very quickly, people get turned off by that. There was a story of a sergeant in Utah. The police department opened his wallet. <clears throat> he actually, he opened his own wallet and noticed his driver's license had expired. Embarrassed at having caught himself red-handed, he had no alternative. He calmly and deliberately pulled out his own ticket book and wrote himself a citation. The officer then took the ticket to the city judge who fined him $5. How could I give a ticket to anyone else for an expired license in the future if I didn't cite myself? Right? This whole idea of teaching a sincere faith, at the very end of the day, I would love to hear, hey, yeah, I was convicted today, and I, and I don't think I'm even going to do it, but I was convicted. That's honesty. Hey, I wrestled with that today. Don't, I don't even want to hear you talk about it anymore. That's honesty. That's honesty, a sincere faith, not a faith, not a trust that just goes, everything's fine. I always follow the Lord. Everything's perfect. It's just, it's just not the way it works. <laughs> sincere faith, when you're being taught, is your heart pure? Do you, are you ready for the Holy Spirit to prick your conscience? And then do you have a sincere faith where you go, you know what? This is sincere. This is where I'm at in this trust process. That should all be wrapped up and produced in love. And this is what he's saying to Timothy. Hey, the truth is the truth. We cannot get off of that. Do not let these other teachings get in. The gospel is what it is. Healthy teaching. But remember this. When we teach, it is to produce love with these three things. We're trying to mold people to love the Lord and look like the Lord. Why? For their benefit. That's why we teach so that it might go well with you and your children. It's not just so you owe God something back. You want a good life? Do you want peace, joy, all those things? Then follow the book. Be willing and courageous to do what it says. Trust them even when it seems like this does not make sense to me. Wrestle with it with the Lord. Wrestle with it with us on Sundays. Wrestle with each other. I read something hard in the book this week. How do I make this work? Wrestle with it. Let us be sincere in our faith. I do not want to go through this book, 1 Timothy, 
And I'm telling you, I've met some of you. I've done church with you for 20 years. I know your views on some of these verses. And you sit there and will be like, eh, that's pretty good. Wrestle. Wrestle with this. And he's saying this right off the bat, saying that you got to, before we start anything, we start talking about church, let's talk about this. Is the teaching done to produce love with a pure heart, a clear conscience, and sincere faith? I'm going to close with this. Because I think it's hard. I think right off the bat, this is, this is for me, tough to swallow. Okay, for me, tough to swallow. Because it's just that, that chapter of, hey, what's your attitude when you're about to be taught? And how are you teaching? Okay, but I want to remind us, kind of wanted to end on a happy note, so to speak, of verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Our hope. I haven't found many epistles where he starts like this. It's almost like Paul knew right off the bat, listen, he's our hope. We know we can't do it on our own. We know this will be tough, but we have hope. The word hope here means favorable and confident expectations. I just, I want to ask, why is Jesus our favorable expectation? Why can we not only expect him to be truthful in what he has promised, but we do it with favor? Like, we're looking forward to it. Why is he our confident expectation? Why is it this trust that in my own mind, in my own flesh, I read something in this book and I go, I don't want anything to do with that. That is completely against the way I think. And yet I have this hope that says, yet Jesus, the one who loves me and gave himself for me, I'm confident that he must know more than me. He's got to know more than me. He's our hope. He is our hope. 1 John 3, 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. You want to do work, purify yourselves? Have this expectation we will be like him one day and that would bring us hope let's pray Lord Jesus thank you again uh, for another time around your word thank you uh, just for healthy teaching Lord we pray again that you would do a miraculous work that it would be healthy for us uh, whatever we say from this pulpit, that it would uh, produce love for you, love for one another, life, that it might go well with us. We, uh, we, we, we believe you when we say that our flesh wars against our soul. We believe you when you say uh, we will have suffering and tribulation. We believe you 
when you would say things as uh, watch, uh, don't give in to the flesh. Help us. In your name, amen.